Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So I have not had a chance to do a lot of reading uh, lately. I know I like to talk about the books that I've been reading here on 40 Acres and a Fool. Haven't had much time. I've been... uh, kind of struggling chapter by chapter to get through uh, Nicholas Tlaib's book, Anti-Fragile, which is really interesting. Um, It's He was the author of Black Swan, and I read that a couple of years ago, uh, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, Anti-Fragile, I'm I'm interested in what he's saying, but for whatever reason, I'm having a very hard time just like getting into the book. And so I'm not reading it for hours at a time. I'm I'm reading a chapter, and then I'm having to put it down and think about what was said. But uh, I did take a break from that over the weekend. Uh, It was a really quick read. I picked up. uh, I saw over the weekend uh, Brock Yates passed away. I don't know if that name is familiar to you. If you are a car guy, uh, maybe that uh, that name rings a bell. Maybe you are a, a fan of Brock Yates. He was a uh, automotive writer, uh, commentator for uh, uh, racing back in the 70s and 80s, passed away at the age of 82. Uh, maybe the thing that he is best known for is the creation of the Cannonball Run. Uh, yes, he helped write the screenplay for the movie The Cannonball Run, but The Cannonball Run was a real race that was run uh, five times in the 1970s, and uh, there's a, a book. It's available, I think, on Amazon Kindle for probably seven or eight bucks right now. Uh, and it's uh, Brock Yates and uh, uh, a lot of the racers. They're they're it's sort of an oral history of the Cannonball Run. It was absolutely fascinating and a really fun read uh, because it was the I, I you know I can't imagine something like this taking place. Today, uh, here you had in 1971. That was the first year that uh, that the race was run. Actually, maybe 72 was the uh, the the real first year because I think uh, the first race was it was Brock Yates and his driver and like maybe three other uh, cars that uh, went coast to coast from uh, Manhattan to uh, I think it was uh, Redondo Beach, California. The uh, 55-mile-an-hour speed limit was just coming into effect, and this was a gigantic middle finger to the overarching uh, federal government and the bureaucracy and uh, the, the nanny state telling you how fast you can drive. The idea behind the Cannonball Run was, look, uh, skilled drivers with good cars – can safely navigate the roads of the country at speeds greater than 55 miles an hour. Uh, and we're going to show you. And, uh, and, they, and they did. And they sped. And some of them got pulled over. Uh, there were um, no serious wrecks that year. I think there was only one serious wreck in the uh, Cannonball Run's history. But it was such an anti-authoritarian event now. And yet... Back then, the anti-authoritarians were sort of on the left, right? This was a—I I, honestly—this wasn't like a progressive race or anything like that. This was much more of, I think, a libertarian uh, style event, uh, and I just don't think that it could happen today. A, uh, you've got a lot more congestion on the interstates, uh, but uh, but B, you know, the idea of a a major uh, magazine at the time, I think it was, uh, I think it was Road and Track, maybe it was Car and Driver that got behind. Uh, the Cannonball Run, the, the magazine that Brock Yates was writing for, they didn't shut this thing down. They didn't tell him, no, you can't do this, Brock. If you do this, we're going to fire you because you're, you're encouraging people to break the law. They, they went along with it. They, they, they covered it. Um, and I 
don't see that happening these days. Uh, but it was a, a glorious uh, event year after year. It sounds like it was a lot of fun for the people who participated. Uh, and again, just a, 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 a giant middle finger to the nannies uh, who believe that uh, they know what is best for you. Back then, again, it was, it was how to drive. Now it has progressed to uh, the, not just the, uh, the, the speed limit that you drive, but now you know, you've got people telling you that, listen, we're going to have uh, cars that are self-driving, and, and they'll drive better than you could ever drive. So get ready. Because uh, you're going to not be able to drive, we're going to we're going to take that away from you in uh, ten or twenty years. In the meantime, by the way, we also have a lot of uh, things that we want to do uh, to your soda, to your cigarettes, to your gun ownership, to the uh, thoughts that you think, to the words that you say. Um, it's become a lot worse, I think, since the 1970s. We might we might need a cultural cannonball run. I uh, hear before long. But uh, anyway, if you are interested, if you remember the original movie, um, I, I would encourage you to pick up uh, Brock Yates' Cannonball because uh, it's it's kind of amazing. Uh, some of the things that, that are in the Cannonball Run movie that actually uh, were taken from real life. It was a, uh, like I said, it was a very fun read. Speaking of uh, uh, self-driving cars, by the way, the New York Times had a story uh, this week on the Internet of Things with cars uh, being the feature, I'm not a huge, huge fan, huge fan of, fan of the Internet of Things, and I will be uh, one of the last adopters with satellite Internet. Uh, the Internet of Things doesn't, doesn't, it's not built for satellite Internet. The, the Internet of Things is built for constantly connected, high-speed, broadband uh, Internet connectivity, and that's not what you find in uh, rural America in many cases. Uh, anyway, New York Times... Uh, quotes Kamyar Moizada, chief executive of Airbiquity, a Seattle software and engineering company specializing in vehicle tracking and telematics. He says the uh, car is going to become another node in the Internet of Things. New York Times uh, writes, cars more fully integrated into the so-called Internet of Things, everyday devices, both able to send and receive data, could become more of a seamless piece of the daily digital fabric of people's lives. Um... Uh, I'm not sure that I really want that. They're talking about uh, companies that are are uh, integrating uh, Amazon's Alexa, that voice-activated home assistant is what they call it. Ford Motor is going to be introducing Alexa integration into the Escape and the Fusion vehicles before the end of the year. Uh, James Bukowski, who oversees advanced engineering at Ford, says your spouse could add things to the shopping list, which your car would alert you to. Oh, and the updated list could then automatically tip off the car's navigation system about where to pick up the last-minute items. Look, I get the gee whiz factor there, but does that sound necessary to you? Does that sound like something that you absolutely need, something that you must have in your life and that is going to dramatically improve your life? What happens now if you go to the store and... You forget something or your spouse uh, says, oh, you know what? I remember I forgot to put this on the list. What happens right now? Chances are you get a phone call or you get a text and you are aware of the uh, extra stuff that you need to pick up. Right. It's not that hard. Uh, It's not like. We're going from the telegraph to the Internet of Things. You know, we, we have the ability to constantly stay in touch with each other. 
the Internet of Things is now about the uh, ability of inanimate objects to constantly stay in touch with the, with uh, the, each other. And I, just, I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I'm not sold. Uh, New York Times quotes uh, uh, the uh, fellow at uh, Airbiquity. He says the uh, the next generation of connected car systems will focus on managing our entire digital lives aided by semi-autonomous systems that assume more responsibility for actual driving tasks. Uh, Munzada said, once we get to the world of autonomous driving, these cars are not going to be about horsepower, but about the in-vehicle experience and how it's connected to your lifestyle. The car will talk to all your connected things, whether it's your refrigerator or your home security system. I, I don't need that. That doesn't excite me. That doesn't intrigue me. I don't want it. Uh, even worse... <laughs> is what the uh, guy from Ford uh, had to say. Actually, uh, Brett Greenstein, vice president for the Watson Internet of Things Artificial Intelligence Division at IBM, uh, says in healthcare, it's about monitoring people and how they're behaving. And he says, we can do this in cars. Driver attentiveness can be assessed by a combination of sensors in the car, including acoustic monitors, eye trackers, and wearable devices. He said, even how fast or safely you drive tells us about your mood and well-being. I, I, again, I don't need that. More importantly, you don't need to know that about me. Because it's not just that the car is going to know these things. Someone is going to know these things. Uh, if there are acoustic monitors or eye trackers, I suppose that the, uh, uh, the computer system is going to uh, use that. But are those going to be hackable devices if they are part of the Internet of Things? Can someone eavesdrop in your car? Can someone uh, watch through the uh, eye-tracking camera? Again, th- this, this creeps me out more than it excites me. Uh, the fellow from Ford says brainwaves and heart rates can indicate stress. So if you're connected and you're, you're wired uh, in your car, such signals might then tell the car to block incoming calls or switch the audio system from ACDC to Yanni. Again, that doesn't excite me. If I'm driving and I'm listening to ACDC, I have decided to listen to ACDC. And if my car all of a sudden decided that instead of listening to ACDC, what I really needed was Yanni or some Kenny G, that wouldn't make me feel better. That would make me even angrier. That would get me more stressed out. Why is my car playing Yanni when I wanted to listen to ACDC? This, this does not sound appealing to me at all. Uh, Mr. Bukowski at Ford said the welter of onboard sensors could turn the car into a four-wheel digital telescope, a stethoscope rather, that compiles a continuous record of your condition, generating a more accurate assessment of your health compared with a snapshot of a once-a-year checkup. I, I, or you can go to the doctors. You could just do that too. Uh, I don't know. I'm not excited about it. I am. Uh, the, the The New York Times talks about the threat from hackers, but that's just that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is the data collection that uh, these companies get uh, that, that that they make money from. Uh, they make money from your information that you give to them willingly, and I'm I'm not sure that we're getting the uh, uh, the best part of that bargain, honestly. Uh, and the more I read about stuff like this, and the again, the less of a necessity all this seems to me, uh, 
I, I'm starting to feel, I don't want to become a Luddite. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't have any desire to become Amish. I'm starting to think maybe if there's, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm Camish. Uh, maybe that, maybe that's the, the word just describing. I, I'd be fine if technology stopped about, mm, let's say 1995 or so. Uh, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of what, uh, the constant, uh, ability to connect with, uh, people have, have done to us. Uh, yeah, there are benefits. There are also a lot of drawbacks. We've talked about that before, but, uh, more and more of these advances, uh, quote unquote, seem, um, less like, you know, sure, they're technological advances, but are they actually advances in how we live? I I don't think so. I'm I'm very curious though. Your take on the Internet of Things does this excite you? Are you uh, are you looking forward to self driving cars? Are you looking forward to being monitored uh, at all times in your home uh, and in your vehicle? Uh, again, for your benefit, of course, right? Are, are you, does this excite you? Am I am I crazy to to not be thrilled? Uh, by what's coming down the pike here. I would love to hear your thoughts. The email address, as always, is 40acrefool, 40acrefool at gmail.com. We will not have self-driving tractors on the 40 acres. We will not have uh, uh, self-feeding uh, you know, goat feeders. We will not have uh, self-scratching pig scratchers. The the Internet of Things will not be coming to the 40 Acres anytime soon. Uh, but we do have another segment of 40 Acres and a Fool that's coming up right after this. So stick around. We'll be right back. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. 